0: The Wednesday, January 31st, 2024, meeting of the Redmond Planning Commission. let will call this meeting to order and start with a roll call. Commissioner Woodyear Present. Commissioner Aparna. Present. Commissioner Van Nyman. Present. Commissioner Sheffrin. Present. Vice Chair Weston. Present. And I am Chair Sherry Nichols. I also want to acknowledge uh, staff who have extended their workday to support us. Chris Wyatt, Jeff Churchill, Lauren Alpert, Becky Fry, Josh Moiler, and Ian Lefcourt. I look for a motion to approve the agenda tonight. So moved. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 And the agenda is approved. We also have... uh, a meeting summary for the January twenty fourth, twenty twenty four meeting. Uh, look for a motion to approve that meeting summary. So moved. Second. All in favor. Aye. Aye. And that meeting summary is approved. Uh, this is the point in the meeting where we provide opportunity for public comment on any item that is not the subject of a public hearing. Do we have anyone signed up? Okay. We will move on then, but if you're listening, you're free to come down and talk at us about anything you want. Uh, We will now move on to uh, a report approval for the Redmond 2050 Centers Element and Overlake Regulations. Uh, We approved a recommendation. This is the report approval, which is in our packet. Uh, Do we have a motion to approve the report? so moved second all in favor aye 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 Aye. and the report is approved assumption (laughs) Uh, and we have another report approval for the redmond 2050 housing element regulations Uh, we made our recommendation last week Uh, do we have a motion to approve the report
1: Actually, before that, um, okay. can I just clarify, um, there were two commissioner statements that weren't published as part of the report. Are those? How do those get added? Ian?
2: They are included as part of the report that will go to council. Okay. Um, so any action on this is validating those.
1: Okay. So um, we would be approving both the packet and the two separate statements. Those
0: would be included in the report. Okay. Yeah. We just were giving a little extra time. Yeah. The packet went out on Friday. We gave to Monday for the commissioners to get there.
1: Yeah. I didn't know minutes. if I needed any
0: extra wording. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Then so moved. All in favor. Aye. Aye. And that report is approved with that out of the way we will move on to uh the redmond 2050 transportation element and related regulations final draft public hearing and study session and we'll welcome jeff and josh
3: good evening commissioners Uh, josh mueller to my right jeff churchill here with you this evening i'm going to share my screen to introduce the public hearing for the transportation element transportation element appendices and transportation rate related regulations uh, this presentation is not going to go into a lot of detail because we covered that at previous meetings but just to kind of set the stage for the hearing Um, So we'll introduce the hearing, we'll have the hearing, and then uh, you'll have the opportunity to continue your discussion from the last uh, couple of meetings. So the proposal is to both amend the comprehensive plan and amend the Redmond zoning code. Amending the comprehensive plan would include repealing and replacing the transportation element, repealing those portions of the transportation master plan that are duplicated by transportation element appendices that that are part of this proposal, and then revising a few policies in neighborhoods elements as reflected in the text that uh, has been in the past couple of packets. Uh, for the zoning code, there is a repeal of Chapter um, uh, 21.28 And I also noticed over the last week that that was also repealed as part of your overlay regulations. We don't really need to repeal it twice, but it's it's in the um, it'll be super repealed. It's in your it's in your packet in any case. And the revising portions of several uh, chapters um, having to do with transportation. Um, So many of these guiding principles on the left um, that are driving what's in the transportation element and the related documents, these are the in 2050 themes, plus a couple just for transportation um, safety and technology forward. And then on the right, transportation strategies, you will see Um, that these show up in the transportation element as kind of headings of how how this element is organized, how we're thinking about our transportation system. Just as a reminder of the the themes that we heard uh, over the last couple of years in developing this update, um, prioritizing access to our centers and not just, so kind of a nuance on this was not just the light rail stations in the centers, but to the whole centers, Uh, building facilities for people of all ages and abilities, Um, on the theme of inclusion. Providing multimodal access between neighborhoods, so not just to the centers, but also from neighborhood to neighborhood. Uh, First and last mile solutions, meaning ways to get from maybe where you are to that bus stop or to that light rail station. And investing, both investing in the system we have and then building the new connections that we need to support growth. Um, So um, as a consequence of receiving that input, these are the key policy update areas in the transportation element. Um, There is a renewed emphasis on maintenance and lifecycle planning, a new section on equity and mobility that's responsive to the theme of equity and inclusion. Uh, We have taken uh, the greenhouse gas reduction target from the environmental sustainability action plan and incorporated it into the draft element uh, we have um, emphasized the safety, comfort and convenience of vulnerable users of the transportation system. That's a little bit of a jargon term, but that means people who are walking and rolling and generally not in a car. Uh, we have included planning for fleet electrification um, and electric vehicle charging infrastructure in the, in the updated element. And again, um, connecting neighborhoods to each other um, and being able to connect, get from one neighborhood to another, not just uh, with a car this just goes over wh- why we are here having a public hearing because this is a in in the Rebin zoning code this is a type 6 review a zoning code text amendment is a type 6 review review the planning commission makes a recommendation to the city council on type 6 reviews the planning commission also holds a public hearing the decision criteria are these this text is really small on the screen this is in the technical committee report that came to you on January 24th. These are the decision criteria for all comprehensive plan amendments. Uh, what this is saying is that the technical committee believes that the proposal before you meets the decision criteria. There is one criterion for text amendments to the zoning code. And that is that they must be consistent with the comprehensive plan. So that's uh, something you should be looking for in your review. And then the decision criteria for all land use permits, this is mainly for development projects, but a um, a type six review is considered a land use permit in our code. The only one that really applies here is, is letter C, that we are considering the availability of infrastructure, including public facilities and services needed to serve development. Transportation element is, uh, is in some ways very much about this, about making sure that the system that we have planned is going to meet the needs of the community into the future. Uh, The schedule for this element review is to hold a public hearing and study session tonight. Uh, We'll pick this back up in two weeks with continued study session. You may may be at a point where you're ready to make a recommendation. um, And if that's the case, we can do that on the 14th or we would continue on the 28th. That concludes the staff introduction.
0: Okay, Um, so with that, I will open the public hearing and uh, wait for everybody to sign up.
2: First up is David M.
0: And if you could uh, state your name and address for the record when you come up.
4: Good evening, Commissioners. I'm David Morton, 19934 Northeast Union Hill Road, Redmond 98053. Policy TR-32 of Redmond's draft transportation element states the ambitious goal of achieving a 71% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions from Redmond's transportation sector by 2050. To attain such a significant reduction, the city must adopt a combination of strategies, measures, and actions that address various aspects of transportation. Here are key initiatives that Redmond can continue to prioritize or consider. First, promotion of sustainable modes of transportation, invest in an extensive network of pedestrian and cycling infrastructure to encourage walking and biking, and expand and improve public transportation systems including buses and light rail to provide uh, viable alternatives to private car usage. Second, electrification of public transport. Encourage transit services to transition their transit fleet to electric buses, reducing emissions and promoting cleaner modes of transportation. Third, incentivizing electric vehicles. Encourage residents and businesses to take advantage of financial incentives, such as tax credits or exemptions, for purchasing electric vehicles. And develop a robust network of EV charging stations throughout the city to alleviate range anxiety and encourage EV adoption. Fourth, carpooling and ride-sharing programs. Promote and support ride-sharing initiatives to reduce the number of single-occupancy vehicles on the road. Fifth, smart traffic management systems. Invest in intelligent transportation systems to optimize traffic flow, reducing congestion and emissions from idling vehicles. And implement adaptive traffic signal control to enhance the efficiency of intersections. Sixth, land use planning and transit-oriented development. Foster mixed-use developments around transit hubs to reduce the need for extensive commutes and promote walkability. And implement zoning policies that encourage higher density transit-oriented development to minimize urban sprawl. Seventh, telecommuting and flexible work arrangements, advocate for and support remote work options to reduce the overall need for daily commuting, and collaborate with local businesses to implement flexible work hours, reducing peak hour congestion. Eighth, education and awareness campaigns. Launch public awareness campaigns to educate residents about the environmental impact of transportation choices and provide information on sustainable travel options, benefits of public transit, and the importance of reducing individual carbon footprints. Ninth, integration of technology. Develop and implement smart mobility solutions such as ride-hailing apps to streamline transportation services and enhance user convenience. And explore innovative technologies like autonomous vehicles to improve transportation efficiency and reduce energy consumption. Tenth, green infrastructure and urban design. Increase the number of green spaces, tree-lined streets, and other eco-friendly urban design elements to improve air quality and enhance the overall quality of life. And incorporate sustainable landscaping practices to mitigate the urban heat island effect. And finally, collaboration and partnerships. Collaborate with neighboring cities, regional agencies, and private stakeholders to create a cohesive and integrated approach to transportation planning. And seek funding partnerships with state and federal agencies to implement large-scale projects. In conclusion, achieving a 71% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions from the transportation sector by 2050 requires a combination of proactive policies, infrastructure investments, and community engagement. Redmond must foster a culture of sustainability, leverage technological advancements, and collaborate across sectors to create a resilient and environmentally friendly transportation system. By implementing these strategies, the city can contribute significantly to the global effort to combat climate change while improving the overall livability in the community. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Next,
2: we have... Barbara
5: P. Hi, my name is Barbara Posthumus, and I'm the associate superintendent and of business and support services for Lake Washington School District. I'm here to provide comments on the 2050 transportation element final draft. Um, We, the school district, support the city's vision for transportation strategies and for the community. Um, When implementing the transportation element, we first ask that the planning commission and the city continue to advocate and collaborate with public transportation providers to increase transit services across the east side to further connect students and families with schools and activities that students attend. Second, the district support services center is located um, just off Willows Road at 152nd and north. East 95th Street. Um, Our Support Services Center is the transportation hub for the district's school buses. District buses make up to 200 trips um, on Willow's Road on a daily basis in order to transport students. Traffic on Willow's Road is already severely congested, and during portions of the day, our buses take up to 12 minutes to travel the corridor. And this, uh, the 12-minute travel time, is confirmed by the city's north-south. Corridor studies, uh, phase two, that was published in October of 2023. We often reroute buses around this area to avoid the traffic on Willis Road, which extends travel time and adds costs. Um, um, And uh, Appendix D of the transportation element report also states that Willis Road will have a higher delay or increased travel times with the 2050 preferred alternative. Um, And we believe that there were some delays with the development or delays... uh, uh, widening when building X was approved that's the research facility on Willows Road um, there was uh, agreements to uh, that the developer didn't have to widen the road in lieu of fees paid to the city so we know that that's a uh, part of that project but district staff provided input on the north-south Corridor phase two study published October 2023 the study identified three projects related to Willows Road these projects include widening Willows Road and creating Creating northbound HOV and transit lanes. These projects would significantly help our student transportation services. We um, see that the projects are currently included in the TFP, they're specifically projects 156 and 1182. We ask the Planning Commission to keep uh, these projects on the list and encourage prioritization of these projects in order to facilitate movement of buses. Thank you for this opportunity to provide comments and we look forward to continued collaboration with the city. Thank you.
0: Thank you.
2: Next, we have Devin K.
6: Hi there. Good evening, commissioners and staff. Uh, I just want to first uh, thank you all for some amazing job you're doing on this ribbon 2050 planning and um, just uh, the vision for sustainability and the work that you're putting into it is just phenomenal. and I also um, wanted to just say for myself and my family, we live on Education Hill. And um, we are a single car family. Um, My kids walk to school. And my husband works from home mostly. um, But he does take the bus when he goes in. and then I have a short commute, but I am the grocery shopper, so I usually take the car. <laughs> um, but the the thing that helps us and the troubles we've run into to keep this lifestyle, uh, the things that help us are the bus system being um, really uh, robust, but... Um, that on the hill getting to the hubs is actually quite tricky that um, there used to be a shuttle bus that ran during the day it would be great if something like that would would happen during the evenings as well so people can get to and from especially with the light rail coming in um, and let's see it was oh and promoting work from home is the thing that has reduced our travel vehicle miles traveled mo- more than anything is work from home. So um, promoting those in the neighborhood would be really helpful. And then when I hear from people what's keeping them from taking the bus or um, accessing other modes of transportation, uh, even as we're moving to electric cars and electric vehicles, it's where do I charge, how do I get to the bus stations or the right rail stations from my home Um, there's a big hill I have to go up or you know things like this so thinking about those kind of things would be really helpful and I'd appreciate um, a chance to submit um, testimony in writing thank you
0: thank you
2: that concludes the list of community members who signed up
0: okay so with that I will close the public hearing to verbal comment and leave it open for written comment Okay, um, t- 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 so we have an issues matrix.
3: We do, and I am finding the share button so that I can pull it up on the screen. There were three issues that were open at the end of the last meeting. there. 15, 17, and 19. 15 and 17, uh, the, the conversation's been reflected, but we haven't brought back any changes yet uh, with the one-week turnaround, but we anticipate being able to do that for the 14th. Uh, issue number 19 we had a little bit in advance and so there is a proposed and so I pulled that one up uh, but, but but there's a proposed revision to issue 19 and I think the other thing we need to know tonight is are there other issues you want to add based on testimony or just other things that have come up in the last in the last week
7: Commissioner Parna I like how 19 uh, has been uh, tr 33 has been phrased um, I, I I'll leave it to I think it's great but commissioner weston yep it sounds great to me so we can close it then okay thank you
3: and are there other issues to to add that are not on the matrix as yet
0: commissioner weston um so this
1: relates slightly to earlier comments Um, so it might be make sense to fold in to other issues in the matrix but um, people may or may not be aware that um, Lake Washington High School started ticketing students this past week um, which has generated uh, who don't so there's a lottery so many children want to drive to school that there is a lottery over the summer to um, provide parking spots and uh, the paid their paid parking spots There aren't nearly enough. They select some amount of the junior class and then whoever, or sorry, the senior class and then maybe some juniors. And then by this point in the year, people are showing up with additional cars and trying to park them and it creates huge problems. So they after many warnings, they've started ticketing. So first they did warning tickets, now they're doing paid tickets um, at $30 a day. Um, and so that's generated a fair amount of conversation in my neck of the woods um, among parents. And it's, um, it kind of got me thinking about what we expect to have happen in 2050. Like, I know that we don't have control over the schools. It's a separate thing, but it's also the traffic is happening in our city. And I was curious um, if there have been any conversations around... Um, actively managing teenaging, teenage driving, Te- teen- teenaging, teen- <laughs> dear
0: my, Lord. <laughs> um, so two questions. Similar are, are, to the way that we've talked about paid parking in places like Microsoft. Two questions. Um, one, isn't Lake Washington High in Kirkland? It is, but a significant yeah. number of the sure. students are
5: from Redmond. Okay.
0: I understand. Um, and two are we talking about ticketing people parking on streets or parking parking at the school? At the school. Because, I mean, we have at Redmond High, there are areas that are restricted. Like my street is restricted for parking so that the high schoolers can't park there because yep. there's very little space to park. Um, and if they do, then they get ticketed. Um, but the generally the kids who can't park at the high school, park on the streets. Right, and this is actually,
1: if they miss the lottery over the summer and try to park in the student lot, which is enormous, but is also full, um, then they're starting to receive tickets for Uh each day they choose to do that. Um, So it's just, it kind of got me thinking, about earlier conversations that we've had at other places where it's um there really isn't like I have a child who bikes to school I really appreciate that um at least for now because he's a freshman um but it's just it it made me really think about some of the um incentives or options or ride share or public transit or Oh. I mean, it's, it's a, thorn, it's a I'm difficult... I'm not sure
0: we want to encourage high schoolers driving to school.
1: Well, that's actually... My stance actually would be that I would hope by 2030, kids aren't alone in a car driving to school, that that doesn't right. really make sense. Um, but it's, I, it kind of falls into that area where I think the city and the schools... I was so glad that she's not still here, I but just left, yeah. that Barbara was here today. Cause it's, I really would love to see more um, integration there on like, actually what is the leadership? Like, what is the goal here? Do we want kids driving by themselves? We've all heard stories in this room about um, some of the traffic incidents and accidents or worries of accidents or unsafe crosswalks or whatever. I'm not mm-hmm. sure the parents are much better having spent no, I would a fair be, amount of no. time near the middle school, but it's, um, I just, it, it seemed to me like there was more that could be done here, potentially. Um, like, I I posed a really thorny problem Well, see My experience at
0: Redmond High is that the kids don't use all the paid parking at Redmond High because they would prefer to park on the streets. I don't think that's an option the same way around Lake Washington,
8: yeah. so it's probably just different based on the roads. Mm-hmm. So I would just point out that the, the issue that we closed over here, event, event in your example meant something bigger,
0: mm-hmm.
8: big event. But there are these are big events every day, right? Right. Two thousand people showing up to school every day school. is They're an event in and of itself. So, um, I mean, it's kind of it, it's it, it's related to, um, I think the. I'll I'll take back some comments that I've made before. I mean, going back in time, I've beat this drum before. It starts young. It starts with parents. You train them to walk and ride and find find other ways to um, get around. And you encourage a partnership that is... um, Your end of the partnership is to provide the pathways and the safety mechanisms... And the parents' end of the deal is to encourage their students to take advantage of those, and also to become educated about um, the safety and the new pathways that we've created, and to have big launches and big parties and big PR around this is a new pathway that we just opened. Hurrah, let's all take advantage of it and let everybody in the community know when you start training the community to move to other. I mean, it's going to be hard to train 17 year olds, but you can, can start train, training yeah. the seven year
0: olds. Well, the problem is not 17 year olds, it's the parents, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you yeah, know, the 17 year olds. The 17 year olds will be easily trained, not if they're getting $30 tickets. It's yes. <laughs> like
8: their parents don't pay.
0: Right, that their parents don't pay. But I mean, you know, it's it's a bigger problem than than high schoolers parking. I mean, you know, I was coming home today as the high school was letting out and I live in a, a small cul-de-sac. It's not a very big cul-de-sac and as I'm trying to ne- negotiate my way into my cul-de-sac, there are easily 10 cars parked there to pick up because there's a cut in the gate. I live. Sort of beside Redmond High School, and there's a cut in the gate, and so people pick up and drop off in my cul-de-sac, you know, because they don't want to get in all that traffic in the in the high school, so they come to my (sighs) cul-de-sac. And and kids, huh? I did it a couple times, like when we were
8: going on trips. That was where we met.
0: (laughs) Exactly, you know, and so people cross that street. A kid got hit crossing that street a couple of years ago in the morning when it's dark there's not a crosswalk you know
1: (laughs) like at the for example at the elementary school they have a walk to school day where it's like it's a little bit late in the year for it it would be better if it was earlier but like middle schoolers and high schoolers would benefit enormously from a transportation fair like very very early in the school year possibly even before school starts um that talks about their options and I don't, I'm sure could hand out some very small freebie like they do at all the corporate bike to work days.
8: Move Redmond would be interested in all that, wouldn't they? Possibly. Possibly.
1: I don't know, it just it feels like there's a gap here. So it's I'm not sure exactly what the right solutions are. I'm just I've been watching um, the topic swirl around um, for the last week and just really wondering about it.
7: I think added to that is um, the, the comment that we heard from the school district tonight. Um, when we know that there are hubs, we need to have a policy which acknowledges the hubs and says that anything in that area, we need to have solutions because it's not just the projects which are in front of us, but anything going up to 2050, right? So that hub is unlikely to change just yet. So assuming that that hub's not changing, anything around it which might change egress, we need to have a plan or at least acknowledge that we should have policies which will make it easier for those projects or something so the delays aren't there and it doesn't cause a bottleneck there, right? I mean, I can't think of any other place other than maybe the Microsoft hubs where they hold their little buses and stuff. But if there are other hubs as well, those are things that we should acknowledge as potential bottlenecks for projects, development projects. Commissioner,
9: Commissioner Sheffern. Thank you. I guess I'm just wondering if there's a way to create a policy that addresses the very things that we're talking about that suggests an integrated approach to bringing forward these stakeholders, we're talking about the school district, and you're talking about different jurisdictions that all need to all have a role in improving the transportation network. But I don't know if if, we're, if there's a way tonight or if it's part of the current issues made in our matrix where we add something that says, hey, how do we, moving forward, take this integrative approach? Did you, did you
0: have something?
9: Um,
1: oh just uh, sorry this was just i really agree the comment on the hubs and i think there are other ones so it's like we have the bear creek park and ride that frequently has um bus parking there we have um freight hubs for sure um especially out like kind of more that direction also like back behind um but it, it I just I agree with the concept of the hubs. I disagree with the concept that widening the roads is necessarily the right solution. Yeah. Willows has way better traffic than any of the other yes. north-south yes. corridors stretching from here to Lake Washington um, because it is a single lane and <clears throat> the lights are sort of finicky. It, it, and it's awful during the afternoon. It's a really hard road to drive on, but it's also, Oops.
0: if you made it bigger, it would not. It's better than 202, it's better than 166, it's better than Avondale.
1: Exactly. And it's better than 132nd, it's way better than 124th, it's better than 405, it's better, like, it doesn't improve, it's, it's, the, it's the simple road, so widening it might not help. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> anyway, so just to comment on that. Um, that, I agree with the hubs, but not necessarily the widening.
9: I was gonna even suggest, I don't know, we're not looking at solutions right now, but there are dedicated busways. So if there is to be widening to accommodate buses exclusively.
3: So maybe just to clarify what's actually in the transportation facilities plan, it's an HOV lane, or not an HOV lane, excuse me, it's a bus lane Um, in the corridor. I think the the widening is limited to the north and south ends of the corridor, the middle of the corridor, just being an HOV lane or not an HOV lane, a bus lane, excuse me.
9: To allow for that bus lane, um, the completion of the Redmond central connector is coming pretty soon to extend um, pedestrian bicycle facilities. So um, the bicycle facilities that are on that corridor right now um, can be utilized. Um, That space can be utilized for that, that bus only lane.
3: Okay. So I think I'm going to reflect this discussion in the issues matrix. Uh, I'm not sure where yet. And we'll look again through the plan, I think, to see if there are revisions that would address what you're talking about or if there's already text that maybe uh, that addresses the concerns. I think there's still work to do on issue, is it 15? 15, I think, um, uh, that is related to this. And so we'll bring that back for the fourteenth.
0: Okay. Um, anything else for this issues matrix? Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jeff. Okay. Then we will move on to Ribbon 2050 Phase Two A policies, Human Services element, and Annexation and Regional Planning element study session.
2: Hello, my name is Ian Lefcourt. I use he, him pronouns. I'm a senior planner with long range planning. And tonight I will be presenting about two elements, one of which I was the primary author and the second annexation and regional planning element, Odra Cardenas was the primary author. Uh, So I'll do my best to fill out information on that piece, but we may need to uh, rely on some questions for a later time. Um, Before we hop into the elements themselves, We'll just give a little update. This is the third and tentatively final draft of both of these elements. Uh, We brought these before planning commission in uh, April and then a second draft in October. Uh, in addition, there's obviously been all the other iterative reviews, your core teams, uh, specialists, external providers uh, for the human services element specifically, we took it to the human services commission and so forth. So uh, the thought is that this presentation is really a uh, an opportunity to tighten up any last little bolts before we take this to a public hearing at the next planning commission meeting. So human services is a, um, it's kind of a unique element because most of the other pieces of the comprehensive plan focus much more directly on either the planning process itself or on various land use implications. With the human services element, there's a much greater emphasis on uh, programmatic solutions. Now, we heard from the commission that there was a, a preference to really try and clearly delineate where each of the various intersecting policies went into each element. So for the housing element, we put in most of the kind of actual structures that tie in with human services, like emergency shelters. For land use, we tried to add the uh, capacity for various resiliency components. Uh, Community courts make an appearance there. The notion that there's the conventional necessary infrastructure stormwater electricity and so forth but that there's also these community infrastructure and so that's located in the land use for human services itself this is really focusing on the partnerships the programmatic approach and making sure that the city has capacity to effectuate its uh, its desired approaches some of the key updates from the last draft um, continuing to simplify language and make sure it is absolutely clear. When we talk about a lot of these uh, programmatic components or uh, these culturally uh, responsive pieces, we really need to make sure the language is tight. Uh, There's that continued emphasis on equity. It's uh, a a strong theme through all of Redmond 2050, of course, but it's particularly emphasized here. Um, Expanding the human services team capacity, that's both knowledge, training, actual people, strengthening the collaboration and partnership. That's important because as we noted, most of the human services are actually provided by entities other than the city itself. So we have to partner effectively with these external organizations. Um, A little bit of a cleanup about directing and prioritizing investment and resources and a very explicit uh, policy about supporting stability for households in crisis some of the specific feedback we heard uh, wanted to get that community court so we added it to hs19 accessibility was a big one some of the policies uh in the previous draft were a bit lengthy they were a bit wordy so we tried to trim it down to the most uh actionable pieces hs5 if you'll recall we had quite a uh, lengthy discussion on how to wordsmith this one correctly Staff ended up with using the phrase culturally responsive based on collaboration with external stakeholders, the human services team, and uh, some leadership in the planning department. And that last piece was a balancing act. As you recall, the initial policies kind of had very explicit outcomes that were very um, aspirational. And so the direction from the commission was, okay, well, let's, let's put the aspirational pieces more focused in the vision component of the element, and then reframe the policies to be pursuing that direction, but not necessarily being tied to outcomes that may not be attainable. So I can stop there and we can do human services first. Any reactions?
0: I'm always happy to see Pragmatic policies, not aspiration policies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about aspiration, but I don't like them in policies. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioner West.
1: Um, I think the current conditions were also updated. And I just, I think the language there is a lot better. Um, so specifically, um, there was a lot more about... Um, The balance of even though our overall median income is very high like there's still need and that was spelled out in several different ways in that section and i just i really appreciated the specificity because i think it paints a much more clear picture than i remember being there in the last draft so i i really approve of that direction
2: thank you yeah we heard that we needed to uh provide more context on things like, uh, what do we mean by extremely low or very low for AMIs? Thank you for that feedback. Okay, moving on. Annexation and regional planning. Now this is a really, uh, it is a small but mighty element. Um, It (laughs) contains a lot of potential land implications. That's the annexation part. And the regional coordination ensures that what we do with that land is adopted in a manner that serves the community members currently using that land, and to make sure that we're being efficient stewards of public resources in collaboration to get the outcomes the community is looking for. So it's kind of two different pieces. It guides how we coordinate with planning and neighboring jurisdictions, especially relevant for us because we touch numerous jurisdictions. And it guides how we should annex territory. As a reminder, jurisdictions are provided urban growth areas. That's bigger than the city limits, typically when it was assigned. And then within that area, we we have potential annexation areas. That's the land that's in the UGA, but not in city limits. And broadly speaking, there is a push for jurisdictions to eventually annex all those areas. There's sustainability, equity, and resilience considerations that generally make it a more... um, effective planning uh region but jurisdictions don't go and annex themselves it's effectively we need to make sure that where there is uh, populations they have to initiate the annexation so while we plan for it we are not actually initiating any of these hard pieces some of the key policy updates Similar as what we've seen on other elements, consolidating policies and simplifying language. That was our modern scan. Um, Reflecting changes in state law, uh, changes in potential annexation areas, removing irrelevant uh, policies to PAAs that have been adopted. um, Updating the maps. And that last bullet point is, is kind of a big one. It's really focusing on the orphaned roads and uh policies centered around pre-annexation agreements and those uh pre-annexation agreements basically help the city of redmond and king county lay out their approach they're saying like all right here's how we think everything should be regulated and we can do that in advance with proactive uh partnership orphan roads big topic uh, added the definition and updated our paa map um We've received notice of intent to NX from uh, the Rose Hill PAA. Oof, I do not have the specific, uh, I'm sorry. The question was, when did we receive notice of that intent? Um, and I will have to follow up with an email. I do not have that information. Um, and then the rest of it is is really kind of cleaning up and getting precision of action. And the orange is our... Potential annexation areas. We got four of them. And as you can see, most of them are are just relatively small little pieces. And then, of course, English Hill. That's really where it is. There's 555 acres there. So uh, if the city annexed, that that would be a, about a 5% increase in our acreage. Um, and then we have these orphaned roads. Right there, right there, right there. And... There, And the orphan roads are just um, where there's not clear responsibility for all of the components associated with the right-of-way. And that typically occurs at those border areas, right, where there's the jurisdiction is going out into the county. Um, so questions or discussion on ARP? Commissioner Weston.
1: So I had two small things that I wanted to add to this that have really come out in the discussion, but I think are missing from the text. Um, And the first is, um, you actually already mentioned it, um, is just that annexation is a process that's started by the community, not by the city. Um, I didn't actually see that written anywhere in here. And I think that should be very early, possibly first paragraph, just to set context. Um, And then the second piece is um, and you can get this by reading through, but again, I only got it really through the discussion, not through the document itself, is that annexation, all of these choices are set by powers outside of Redmond. And then we respond to that. So I believe it's the vision 2050 document and King is that King County? Is that someone? So it actually spelling out right at the beginning that the areas to annex aren't up for grabs. They were decided to look them up, see this agency's document called whatever. Um, Just so that it's super clear that everything else is given that, Right. Like the community has to decide, and all of these are set ahead of time. Here's how Redmond would respond, yeah because it just it, otherwise it gets unclear like why are we only annexing you can get into weird questions where why it gets, are we annexing Red, Redmond Ridge <laughs> right we can't. like why don't we choose to annex other places <laughs> it just it kind of cuts all of that off if it's really clear in the mm-hmm.
0: very intro um, Jeff says that the uh rose hill annexation notice of intent was received july 2023
2: thank you for that feedback we'll get it updated
0: thank you any other comments or questions about annexation okay
2: look forward to bringing this forward on february 14th thank you all
0: okay yeah <laughs> exciting down valentine's day public hearing valentine's day uh, now we'll move on to uh Redmond 2050 community development and design element draft two study session becky and lauren
10: Good evening.
11: <laughs> uh, good evening, commissioners. Do you want to share? Them? I realized I'm. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
10: uh, I realized I'm not in the meeting yet. So let me join the meeting.
11: Wasn't intentional, but.
10: <laughs> hmm? oh, I need to dye my hair, yeah uh computer audio <laughs> sorry i thought i had joined the meeting but i hadn't
6: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, not what i wanted to
9: share mm-hmm.
10: Okay. Um, so Lauren Alpert, she, her is... on? Nope, now oh, it's on. Lauren Alpert, she, her pronouns, senior planner with Long Range Planning. Um, so for today, I thought we would run through the issues matrix um, in response to the comments we received last week and then take note of any new additional comments that we didn't receive by email already. So you wanna kick it off, Becky? Yeah.
11: Um, for the sake of getting through this a little bit faster, um, items like item number one, where it's just a comment about spelling something out, we're just going to skip and we're going to assume that you're okay with closing unless you say, don't skip that. Let's talk about it. <laughs> but, but anything that's just an edit, uh, that doesn't need discussion. We'll just bypass. Um, so we'll just go to, um, maps on number two, I will be updating all of the maps. Uh, we've got some clean versions that are being uh, made for the Overlake uh, Neighborhood Plan uh, addendum. So we're gonna have all crystal clean, so don't worry about that. Let's just let you know. Um, there are also, we're creating a whole bunch of resources for the community, just FYI, so that's um, the
1: oh. sorry you might address it you were still on number two
11: I'm sorry were you still on number two uh yeah okay sorry yeah. um but I'm gonna assume again we're gonna swap out the map so I'm gonna assume that's closed
1: I actually I didn't understand yep. the comment in the matrix act actually so one caution about showing zone boundaries in the comprehensive plan is that it creates a potential for inconsistency it's if its zone has changed if the change is not reflected in the comprehensive plan, how do you usually handle situations like that? Because I think the specificity is important to understanding what we're actually talking about, about the different neighborhoods.
11: Yeah. You could have the zoning map in the comp plan, but just make a note saying that the map is adopted in the zoning code and any updates would be reflected in the code and not the plan. Maybe that would be better instead
1: because um, I don't think people know where the outlines of obat are for example like just as an example um and so to be talking about it in the plan but not have a map that shows it i think is confusing
11: yeah that's fine and we could do a number of different ways to just help people orient themselves uh without actually making it adopting the zone in the comp plan
0: yep that's great otherwise if you change the zoning code then you've got to make a comp plan amendment too yeah Mm -hmm. totally right
1: yeah, that's yeah. why I was asking how they usually handle that cuz yeah. I think having the map really
11: helps clarify the text. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we're referencing the village for instance, but if you don't know exactly where yeah. Right. yeah. We get it. Um but yeah, we'll we'll make sure that as we get through the final cleanup version, we'll make sure that we have everything in there that's helpful for orientation but clarity as well that this belongs there. Uh, That will also occur with the um, international district map that's being adopted in the uh, 2104, the TOD focus area, again, that's being adopted in 2104. So we don't wanna cause confusion about where those maps will live legally. Perfect, thank you. And definitely close. Okay, so uh, the Overlake street grid is OV19. Um, we did just approve today all the Overlakes, but if there's anything at the end that we can do as we finalize this particular chapter for clarity, um, we could do that. Um, Jeff, I don't know if you want to offer some clarity about what improved local street access and circulation. Um, it's referring to the Overlake South end Infrastructure plan implementation, correct?
1: And it was specifically, there was a comment in the text that said the grid will be expanded as development occurs.
11: I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time
1: hearing. Yeah, Sorry about that. My voice is low. Um, The grid will be expanded as development occurs. And I just found that easy to read a lot of different ways. Um, Either like you're filling in new streets that didn't used to exist or the streets are being widened or the area is physically being expanded or like there were a bunch of different ways. So just make me interpret that.
10: So there, Oh, I can speak to that a little bit. There was, um, a, uh, in the current zoning code, there is an adoption of a street grid that would be built out as development happened. And then for South, Overlake, there was a draft infrastructure plan and as part of the Overlake code updates, that will be adopted as a street grid plan for Overlake. Um, so it'll be updates to the zoning code um, and then also to Appendix 7, which um, yeah, further expands on what those street dimensions and standards are.
1: So. But it wouldn't be that um, people can add in additional roads that aren't there or... In some cases, there are a maybe few they new would. connections. Yeah,
10: there's there's new road connections to kind of con- connect the street grid a little bit. But they would have to follow the city's map?
3: Yes. Yes, it's okay. not, it's not mm-hmm. beyond what's in the plan. Okay. It's just what's in the plan.
11: It's, yeah, it's what's in the plan and then through the development review process. Okay, great. So uh, for context, the uh, Overlake South infrastructure plan has all been existence for, in a draft form for several years and never actually got implemented. Um, and so that's caused some confusion with plan reviews, like do we go with the one that's live or the one that's still draft but we haven't formally adopted yet? And this just like clarifies all of that, it gets adopted. We're getting rid of the super blocks, making, things that are only one lane should be two lanes, that type of thing. Uh, but it is all, it's all transparent, exactly what those improvements are and what they're needed for. And
10: we've worked closely with, uh, Josh and his team in transportation, uh, the transportation division to, to draft
3: those. And we can use a word other than expand.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, So maybe something like build to the approved plan or something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, as development occurs just something expand to the grid yeah got. yeah just got very confusing <laughs> to me
11: so thank you that makes sense yeah we can clarify that for sure okay, okay. um so the next one is for integration with local tribes um I can definitely call out the tribes that we've been communicating with. Uh, We have initially approached them, I think, two years ago now with, is this an idea that you would be okay with or is it not because we didn't want to proceed with this idea if it was something the tribes were like no that's offensive i don't want to go there um and also they gave us some clues about the things that they would be concerned about um like signage historical signage has typically been you know white oriented history right Um, so they give us a lot of pointers on the things that they would be really happy to work with us on. Love the idea of like artists, for instance. Um, and so we've proceeded with that idea to the point where this year we're going to have to sit, sit down and actually get to the nitty gritty specifics and we're working on setting dates. Um, but yes, it's not, it's not trying to whitewash or, um, try to appropriate it's tried to find ways that um the local tribes are happy with actually being visible and having it be a part of that area and the actual details of that we do still need to work out um and there's limitations to what we can implement because they have limited staff for review right uh, so they can't review all the artists all the time but they can help us come up with a list that we can make available to people right and then then we can periodically update the list, right? So just negotiating the specifics of how that will work out, it's still pretty loosey-goosey at this time. Um, But yes, uh, we have been trying to be very um, transparent but also very sensitive to historical conflict um, and making sure that it is something that they find valuable.
1: Um, that's great. Um, a follow-up specifically on my comment was that I would really like the plan to reflect which tribes. So I think it's the Duwamish and Snoqualmie tribes would be my guess, but there and might four. be
11: additional. Um, but it being, being head, specific, in the the, p- yes, there's four of them. Hang on one second. I can actually pull up. You're just in
1: It sounds like you want them named in the I plan. I would like them named in the plan, um, okay, just because I think that's good accountability. Yeah. Um, and then the other piece is I had a curiosity if anyone had reviewed a draft, like this draft of this plan with representatives from the tribes, because that seemed important if we're talking about I'm sorry I missed that first part. Um, I was curious also if anyone had
11: reviewed this draft of this document with yes, anyone. Um, they have been sent all of the draft elements um, and we're setting meetings to to have chats about that because the documents are large, right? So we want to make sure that they're Zeroing in on things that um, are more important to them than others, uh, but yes, all of the tribal contacts have been given all of the draft elements. Thank you. So. Um, and then um, I have the Snoqualmie, the Stillaguamish, the Suquamish, and the Makoshut. Um, there might be one more. So but we'll go ahead and list them. Yeah. Okay. Um then we have the Overlake, Overlake framework policies. Um, as we get closer to finalizing everything, we can go back and do consistent sentence structure and that type of thing. Um, if you're okay with that, again, would like to just kind of set everything aside and then come back for the consistency related pieces, if that's all right.
7: We can close it. And as long as, you know, it's coming back, yeah, we can leave
11: it open to at this point in time, because we do have a lot of other things. And then that'll just make sure we go back and, you know, at the end we can say we did the consistency review just for transparency sake. Yeah. That's good.
7: Yeah. I think we'll just leave it open then because I, I had more comments around, uh, this uh, yeah. if it's okay check yeah, just... go ahead go ahead so um, let me just start with the big ones um, the FW the framework policy CD2 and NH2 um, I think the com- the policies are just too long it's trying to do a lot um, I want to break that up and Let me try to kind of that up. simplify a little bit um it it i couldn't quite understand it even because it's a sort of a really long run-on uh sentence so either split or you know simplify i i i'm just leaving it open-ended um on that and uh i had a question sorry
11: Sorry, uh can you repeat the policy numbers yeah, that we C
7: D two, at? FW uh C D two okay. and F W N H two. That's I think the neighborhood one.
0: This is from the email that you sent yes. today. Yeah. Yes. Okay.
11: If it's in the email then we got it. Okay.
7: Yeah. I it's in the email, but I just wanted to call out because I just wanted to be Clear that everything else reads really simply and beautifully, but these two kind of feel very, you know, clunky. Um, so, um, and it doesn't read like the rest of it somehow. Uh, uh, that's one thing I want to call out. Then I had a question about the corridor policies. This just one standalone one and i feel very bad that there's just one because i i genuinely believe that the corridor policies are pretty important as well uh simply because in my head at least the corridors will may be the place where we get the commercial things that we can walk to because they're already you know, there's already wide enough roads that, you know, big trucks could deliver maybe the groceries there and we walk to that corridor, nearest corridor. So I think it would be nice to have that corridor policies support the complete neighborhood policies, like tie that in. Um, That would be part two of that uh, as a vision Right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because not every bit of the interior roads in a neighborhood would allow commercial, right? So I see that as a big positive um, from a perspective of connections. And um, then I had a question about OV7 and OV4, very similar comments. Um, we talk about OV7 in terms of mitigating displacement of low- and moderate-income households, and OV4 does that for small and locally-owned businesses, right? Now, why is it only in OV? Like, for me, I think DT should have that too, right?
11: Yeah. Um, Just for context, we do have a lot of policies that are citywide on those topics in the economic vitality element right so just because we've gone down at a level of specificity in Overlake doesn't mean that they're not citywide policies that also take place we could pull them out of Overlake and just have a context and reference in Overlake to the um economic mentality, or we can keep that as a very specific focus. Like we intend to be extremely focused on this in the, the, all of the centers and just bump it up to a centers wide, um, more detailed level. If if that's an approach you would.
7: I, I think that would be good because I feel it's a more universal concept commissioners. You would agree. Right. So yeah. Thank you. And then the last question I had was, I feel like the design standards are are very nice. It would be great to have all of the above, right? So I'm trying to separate out what is, what are the eventual expectations which will come out of these policies? Um, So are these just meant to be how a design standard is put together? Or are these supposed to be we need to aspire to this. So like that whole balance between pragmatic and aspirational that we were just talking about, right?
11: Well, the primary focus of the design guideline policies are to provide a legal foundation for the zoning code design standards, right? So they need to be directly related and give us some nexus um, and be a strong foundation. So there's a direct link between the vision and what we're requiring in the code. So that's the, the biggest priority for the, the policies. Um, but they also do need to be very um, flexible right? Right. But directive, like be very clear on the vision that we want to go in, be very clear about whether it's a requirement or it's something we want to see or something we want to incentivize. So it's just trying to make sure that there's a level of clarity between the scale of actions that we could be taking as well. Um, And so especially for incentives, uh, being extremely clear which things we are willing to incentivize. um, And so that the incentive packages also have a, a good, strong legal foundation. Uh, so that's, that is what the design policy's in major intention would be, is just to make sure that all of those check marks are done. And then all of the specifics um, about all of how we want to get there, the different types of, of options and alternatives, um, would all just be very clearly outlined in the code itself.
7: Okay, that makes sense. So this is like a super set. And then we would pick and choose the right, combination of mandatory and uh, Mm. incentivizing and maybe not have some things in certain cases at all, depending on how it is put together.
11: And make sure that the set of policies is broad enough to cover all the different things that we might want to be tackling with the code updates over the next couple of years. Because we're just scratching the surface with design updates. Um, And as we make the full transition, there's a lot of work going on with the Redmond zoning code rewrite related to design guidelines. So we're touching designs a little bit with Redmond 2050. They're doing way more. So we just need to make sure that the policies are broad enough to cover the full scope of the code updates that are coming out of any of the teams that are working on it.
7: Sounds good, thank you. That really helps because I was like, oh, this is great, but are we going to be able to pull all this off, right? I mean.
11: Probably not. We just need to provide the the framework, framework, right?
7: Right, great. Thank you.
10: Do you. Have anything you want to add? Oh, I mean, so in some ways, yes, it's aspirational. It's yeah. it's it's a broad like stroke um, for it, and then as we do the code updates, we kind of drill down on what's practical. But we don't also want to be too specific in the policies to hinder or, you know, what's what's what. The potential code updates are so it's sort of yeah
11: the other thing that we're tackling especially like in the green building piece is that we have to start small in a lot of cases and slowly build over time and with the design guidelines, it's the same thing um we're, we're going to be transitioning to more and more um high standards if that makes sense Uh, but we can't just immediately flip into that we have to slowly adjust and let things kind of morph over time Um, in some places we're making huge leaps uh, but we can't do huge leaps on everything all at once and that's one thing that our development community has been telling us thank you did you
1: just had a small um, I was Coming through the part that you just said and I noticed that um, for the framework policies they're listed up top and then repeated later in the document but they don't match in those two places so maybe just a quick edit pass to make sure that you're using the same text on both spots catch. yeah thank you easy to miss
0: I will amend my earlier comment about aspirational versus pragmatic um i'm opposed to aspirational policies that we know we that we know we aren't going to achieve i'm not opposed to aspirational policies that we don't know we aren't going to achieve yeah. that we're creating the possibility mm-hmm. because we don't know what's going to happen mm-hmm. but yeah. i i object to aspirational policies that just for aspirational sake, yeah. we know we're not going to achieve. We have no plan to achieve them.
11: That is a very good point, and that was one of the things that we reviewed for, um, especially even just in the development of the preferred alternative, is making things, making sure that what we're aiming for is achievable. Right? It may not be achievable in five years. It's it's a long range plan. It might be achievable in fifteen years, but we have enough study behind us, enough data to, to show that what we are aiming for is possible. Um, and so that is something that we have been considering as we've been developing all of the work we're doing. We're definitely not uh, tilting at windmills. Uh, we're definitely trying to frame things into things that can be achieved.
7: I do want to applaud you on the universal design inclusion. That's really far reaching, it's really cool. Um, it's not seen often elsewhere, but it is what we need if we think about a population aging in place or an, it's actually extremely tied to the equity and inclusive yes. piece, right? So um, when, it, without those fundamental principles, the way design is across the board, it's, it's not gonna cut it. So thank you for that, really. Awesome. Thank you. Anything new? Yeah.
11: Just been taking okay. uh, is there anything else that we wanna be adding to the issues matrix? No? I think our next step is we're going to be filling in the rest of the background text and existing conditions and all those pieces and doing the, the con- finishing the consistency review. and We'll catch all the little things that you've, you've mentioned. So thank you very much. If you have any other comments, just feel free to email Lauren and I as we prepare the final draft of this for your review here in about a month. Okay. <laughs> Great. Okay. Thank, thank, you. You.
10: thank you.
0: All right. Now we'll have our Redmond 2050 monthly update briefing.
3: Good evening. Uh, Coming around the table are a selection of the hundreds of postcards that we have received back either in the mail or in boxes at the library or elsewhere uh, for Rebin 2050. And so that's that's kind of the highlight of the briefing really. Um, The other two things I'll mention are that on Monday we did publish the community engagement uh, summary for the fourth quarter of 2023 so that's now online and there's a link in the memo for that so you can see all of the detail uh, of the engagement for the fourth quarter of 2023 and then I wanted to share with you that on this past Saturday we were at Overlake Christian Church for a festival organized by the uh, Chinese Microsoft employees in the Seattle Chinese Association around uh, the Asian Spring Festival And that was a lot of fun it was very well attended Um, lots and lots of people there and so we encountered uh, many people uh, from redmond from outside the area um, young and old Uh, we were visited by two dragons um, in costume Um, we actually made a connection with a New nonprofit in Overlake that found us and introduced themselves, which is really nice. We're able to connect them. We're going to be able to connect them with others at the city who, and they may have some um, some ways to get involved and develop a productive working re- relationship with them. And that's really one of our hopes of just showing up where people are already gathering is to those serendipitous connections um, that we can make. Um, to clo- I I don't know if it's necessary to close out, but just so that you know, uh, a one of the last big um, inclusive community events is going to be on February seventeenth at Together Center, and it's going to be somewhat like the dinner we did in October, and then actually in the past week or so we also did a a brunch. Um, entirely in Spanish around inclusive communities. And that, those are both at the TOGETHER Center. And that, that actually also went really really um, well this past week at the TOGETHER Center uh, with the Spanish language community in Redmond. Um, but On February 17th, there'll be a similar event uh, with disability stakeholders. The Disability Empowerment Center at the TOGETHER Center is uh, helping to co-host it. And there's, there's, some of their staff will be there. So we're very excited about that. It says TBD in your memo, but that's gonna be at one o'clock in the afternoon, um, starting at one. And then we will be uh, returning to the library as winter continues and we are we are beginning to plan our next um, pints with the planner. They're not calendared yet, but as the, I mean, you can almost see the end of winter coming. <laughs> it's almost here, it's almost, almost here. Um, so we're looking forward to being able to get back out there in that regard. And then um, engagement is really gonna transition to being about um, downtown Mary Moore in the mixed use areas, and what kind of zoning changes, and people's eyes may glaze over when they hear about talk hear about zoning change. But we're really talking about um, design standards, building heights, things like that. And in particular, I think something that people can get excited about is, you know, kind of we heard what your priorities were earlier in the process. This is how we think we should reflect them in incentive packages. kind of what do you think, right? What are your priorities for these incentive packages? Um, so conversations like that are coming up. and in fact, next month, actually at your next meeting, we will be bringing kind of concept level materials for downtown Marymoor and mixed use areas in the city that are kind of not overlay because we've done overlays so and now kind of everything else. Um, so we're, we're looking forward to sharing that with you and sharing that with the community as well.
9: Okay, thank you. I just want to thank you for sharing these. That's, this is just great, and I think um, it's a lot to absorb. So I appreciate certainly the efforts that the city has made to try to, you know, get get the comments back. And mm-hmm. I mean, some of them are so wonderfully colorful and very um, very elaborate. But even the simpler ideas um, are conveyed in a, in a in a way that makes a lot of sense. I think. So I love that people are paying attention to the efforts that the city is undertaking.
3: Thank you. And it reminds me, and Lauren made this point at the city council meeting last week, that this idea was generated by a student that we connected with earlier in the process. So this is someone's, uh, a student's idea kind of come to life for the plan update, which is great. Um, And uh, for those watching at home or or here, we have um, scanned many of these and put them online just on the redmond.gov slash 2050 page so there's just a carousel postcards you can go look at them they're available to any, anyone
0: cool
1: yeah i also just um i don't know exactly what the prompts were but these are so varied in their responses and that's um like i have one here that's they want smooth sidewalks and Food Truck Fridays at Redmond Town Center with local diverse performances. Like this person has great ideas and this one wants a library. And like <laughs> this one thinks Redmond would look cozier if we had better color lights, <laughs> like street lights. They're probably not wrong. It's not very cozy right now, um, but it's just, it, there's a really wide variety of like pressing issues here. And I just, I really appreciate seeing them and everyone's writing. So thank you for bringing them in.
3: <laughs> the the prompts are on the reverse. Um it's pretty open-ended <laughs> and sometimes uh, people who responded you know developed their own prompts, which is fine. Yeah. Um but but that was the idea to really get at what what people are looking for.
0: I saw one I uh, like the one in dance steps. I love that one. Right, painted down like one the sidewalk to the street, or something like that. Yeah.
3: I don't know what the total number is. It's a.
0: I, I didn't mean for exact. I didn't mean exact counts. But just, did you get a large volume? Or?
3: I'll tell you what, what. Becky told me, which is that the stack is eight inches high, um, six, about six inches of width, of which have um, usable content.
7: That's, that's that's a statement right there.
8: Cool. <laughs> you're gonna go in the back room and start counting no,
7: oh there we go
0: if
3: someone would volunteer to count them we'd be happy to know how many there are
0: okay you asked. i got some work to do between now and the 15th <laughs> okay anything else thank you staff and commissioner updates ian
2: Our first uh, staff update was that this very morning, uh, the housing development consortium hosted the second annual King County affordable housing symposium right here in Redmond at our downtown Hilton, Um, wide range of folks. There It was uh, like two of the long uh, conference rooms opened, packed with people. We had folks like uh, Bob Ferguson, Obviously, uh, leadership from various entities like ARCH, the HDC itself. Um, There were several topics that were brought up, all, of course, focused around the topic of affordable housing in some way or another. And one of the branches of that was the comprehensive plan update efforts. What do local jurisdictions need to do? What are they doing? Just kind of that information sharing. At that panel, Director Helen participated in the participation participated in the presentation and one of the high level lessons I took away from that experience was Redmond is doing a lot. Redmond is seen as a regional leader and Redmond could not have done that without everybody pulling the wagon. And that definitely includes our planning commission. And so thank you all again for your dedication and resilience on helping us get this comprehensive plan to be the best quality that it can be to best reflect our community. That's the staff update there. Now the part you may not like so much, our next planning commission meeting is in fact on February 14th, Valentine's Day. I will be here. I'm going to be mad if you're not. (laughs) Back to you, chair.
0: Thank you, Ian. I will be here too. (laughs) Um, Do we have a public hearing? We have a public hearing, so I expect all of you to be here. We have to we have to have quorum because it's a real pain if we have to reschedule that. Okay. Uh, any commissioner updates? Okay, then I look for a motion to adjourn. So moved. Second. All in favor? Aye. aye. And I adjourn this meeting.